Bonjour les amis, comment ça va? Great, how's everybody doing this morning? It's a good day as Pater Patty, Pater Patty, Pater Patty, <laughs> Pastor Patty would say, don't tell her I said that, please, okay, when she gets back, amen. It's great to be here with you today, and uh, it's good to have a friend like uh, Pastor Rob, glad you're my friend, good to have one friend at least, and uh, yeah, I'm your friend Rob too. Uh, today, uh, Pastor Rob said, um, he mentioned about uh, l'Institut Biblique du Québec, of which I'm at this present moment the, the, pastor, the uh, president of the Institute. Uh, Institut du Québec is a French uh, Bible college, part of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. It's one of our five colleges across Canada. And we're going into our 73rd year of uh, training and teaching young men and women in, in the scriptures, uh, preparing them for ministry. And um, I was thinking about that maybe it's because of my birthday tomorrow, that I've been involved with the college. This is now my 43rd year, so I'm thinking, man, I'm getting up there old as well. And I was a teacher, I was part of the administration, and now I'm the president of the college. And so uh, as part of Les Publics Quebec, uh, a few years ago I did a bit of research and found out that 85% of our French pastors in eastern Canada have trained at Les Publics Quebec. So it's been very effective o- over the years. Uh, quite recently, maybe about, I think it's six years or five years ago, we've entered into a partnership with l'Université de Laval in, in Quebec City with the Faculté de Théologie Sciences Religieuses. It's the theological part of the University of Laval. And uh, they've invited us to, to come and to open an uh, evangelical wing of, uh, to get a Bachelor of Theology through the University of Laval. And so that's really a great uh, opportunity uh, ourselves and two other institutions in, in, in uh, Montreal are working with them. And so a part of that is uh, if people want to take courses, uh, they will be able to take, get a, a Bachelor of Theology right from the University of Laval, not just from the Bible College here in Montreal. Uh, now, as I said, we've been doing this. It's going into our 73rd year, and it's always been in French. But we're starting something new this fall. We're starting courses in English. And uh, there's been a demand for it. Yeah, sure. Very happy that it's happening. And the University of Laval, will, you'll be able to take your, uh, your certificate in theology. That's 10 courses with Laval, and you'll get an actual certificate from the University of Laval. And we're going to continue on in future years. Hopefully, we'll be able to get a Bachelor of Theology as well. So it's quite an opportunity. If you need to know more about it, you can actually speak to me after the service. But if you'd like to take some courses this fall... Uh, we're going to offer two courses. We're going to offer prophetic literature with Paul Lasante. Paul Lasante is a pastor at Trinity, and uh, he used to be the president of um, Leave Theological Seminary in Ukraine, so we're happy to have him with us. And also a church history course, uh, which will be taught on our virtual campus. Uh, but what's interesting about we don't want to do the course over on the South Shore. We want to do it on the island of Montreal. So we're going to start our first course right here in Montreal in Evangel Church. So that's great. If you'd like to take some courses, go online. You need to register with Université de Laval as well as L'Institut Public Québec. And all the information is there. It's simple, ibq.ca. We'd love to have you uh, as, uh, with us as a... As a um, even if you just want to come and learn more about the Bible, but if you are interested in continuing your studies. Uh, one thing which we have found very interesting as well, if you're already in a... Um, in a um, path of study. For example, suppose you're studying on the sociology or some other um, uh, different venue, and you always have, you can always take electives. 
And so actually, there's usually about four to six electives that you can take. Well, you can take them with the Bible college, and they'll be credited towards your degree because we have an understanding. It's called the Kripuk in, in, uh, in, in the province of Quebec. So very interesting. You end up graduating with a Bachelor of uh, Sociology, and, and in that, you've had four or five biblical courses. That, that's a great thing to, to have. So if you're interested, come and see me or go online, and we're going to start this fall right here at Evangel Church. Oh, man, that's fantastic. A few weeks ago, Pastor Patty, I believe it was uh, St. Jean-Baptiste's day on, on uh, June 24th, Pastor, Pastor I'm going to call her P- Patty. <laughs> I almost said it again. I'm sure you're going to tell her, Pastor Rob, I know. <laughs> uh, you will have to, yeah. You'll erase it from the tape back there so she won't hear it that way. No, it's, they won't. I know them. But uh, now I forgot what I was going to say. Please help me out. I, I'm lost. I'm lost. Oh, that's right. A few, few, few weeks ago, Pastor Patty spoke on the subject. Of, she was uh, sort of renewing into our memories uh, the whole purpose we, are, we have as a church. She spoke about how that we are, and you've seen the sign that's outside. We're an inside-out church. We're not just an inside church. We just don't want to be a club but we want to be a church that goes out and influences our society. And she spoke about how um, the way we do that is we do good, we love one another, and we reveal Jesus. Because when you do good and you love one another, it reveals Jesus. And that's really why, what we are called to do. And as she spoke about that, I was like, wow, that's, that's really that's really good. I, I, sometimes it's the simplest truth that gets into our hearts and the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. Uh, but as she was talking about it, she mentioned something. Uh, she referred to a passage in the Old St- Testament by the prophet Jeremiah. If you remember the story and the history of, of the people of Israel, uh, they had wandered away from where they should be with God, and so God had disciplined them. And you remember what the discipline was? That they were sent into captivity for a period of 70 years. So they left Jerusalem, they left their country, and they were sent to Babylonia, and for 70 years they were there, ruled by a foreign power. And the prophet Jeremiah had this word for the people. And he said, while you were there, while you're going to be there, he says, this is what you should do. You should seek the good of the land where you are going to find yourself. He said things like, you should marry, you should get jobs, you should take care of the land where you are going to go. Do good, do good where you are. Now that was a hard thing to really to grasp for a lot of them because they have lost their home country and they're, they're there for 70 years and they're supposed to be doing good. But that was God's message to them. But one thing Patty said, Pastor Patty, she said, while they were there 70 years, she stopped in the message and says, wow, that, that's a long time. How many of you think 70 years is a long time? Well, I think it is because tomorrow's my birthday. I'm not turning 70, okay? But I'm getting there, you know, friends. I, I, I'm realizing it's not too far away. And I'm thinking, wow, all that time is, is a long time. Did you ever notice that in the Bible sometimes it goes from one verse to the other, and all of a sudden, 40 years have gone by? <laughs> yeah, it always surprises me. And as if it was real easy during those two verses, you know. But hey, a lot of things have happened in a lifetime. And that's what Patty said. She said, 
70 years. Wow, it's a long time. Actually, Pat, Patty reminded us that really it's a whole lifetime. The people who were ascended into captivity were there for a whole lifetime. They weren't going to see anything else. They weren't going to live in Jerusalem, but they were going to be in captivity for a whole lifetime. So this morning, I just want to speak about doing good for a whole lifetime. So practically, how do you do good for a whole lifetime? You know, I could, I could say this morning and say, Steph, you know, you, I'd like you to be good for a week. How's that sound? And you'd come back next week and I'll check off the scorecard. Yeah, you were good at that. Mm, didn't know more well. You know, pretty good. You want to try another week? Well, that's one week. Can you imagine if I did a scorecard on Stephanie? 70 years. What would the scorecard look like? You know? Did you follow me this morning? 70 years is, is a long time. <clears throat> Pardon me. A few years ago, our superintendent from the national office, he gave me a book at Christmas time, and the title of the book was called Signs of Life. Signs of Life. It was written by a gentleman, another pastor called David Jeremiah. You might have heard of him. He speaks on the radio, a great uh, speaker. It was a book about living our whole lifetime doing, uh, sorry, whole time doing good like Jesus did and revealing him through our lives. So he, he basically was talking about what are the signs of Jesus' life in our life in order to reveal him to those who are around us. So this morning I want to talk about that because that's what we need to be doing. That's the type of doing good for our whole life. We need to be revealing Jesus wherever we are. So let me ask you this morning, what are some of the signs of life in the human body? Um, just before the surface this morning, I had a couple of nurses who were there saying, yep, that's a good thing. We know what the vital signs are. So you go in to see uh, Steph Mann at the hospital, and uh, she checks out uh, whether, what's your body temperature. She's going to check out your pulse rate, your blood pressure, your respiratory rate, your consciousness, reflexes, awareness, etc. And then you say, yep, wasn't sure when you come in, but you're alive. Yep. Check it off. You're alive. You're, you're living. You're, you're running around. You have some of those things. Well, you're a bit banged up, but you passed the test. You're alive. So wouldn't it be interesting if we had some type of check on being a believer in the body of Christ? You know, if we could say, check your pulse. What is it? So how, that's so important. And I do think there are. And today we're going to look at some of those five vital signs that you're really living, <laughs> Christian living. So just before we do it, I want to read this little story because it was, I found it in the book of, that David Jeremiah wrote, and I thought it was very interesting. It brings out the truth. Here it is. Here's the story. He says, a man named Dennis, who lived in Katy, Texas, was preparing to go out of town on a Tuesday. And as usual, he was behind schedule in his preparations. He needed to take a suit to the cleaners and get it back the same day. He remembered a dry cleaners in, in his town with a big sign that said, One Hour Dry Cleaners. Perfect, he thought. So he drove across town to the establishment. He filled out the drop-off ticket, and he said, I'll need to get this back in an hour. The clerk said, Sorry, but the soonest I can have it for you is Thursday. He, I thought you said this... 
I thought you did dry cleaning in an hour, Dennis said, surprised. No, the clerk replied. That's just the name of the store. <laughs> Quite something. But it serves to illustrate this point. A one-hour dry cleaner that doesn't do dry cleaning in an hour, how confusing is that? Well, Dr. David Jeremiah says this, probably it can be just as confusing for people looking at people who claim to be Christian but fail to act like the one whose name they bear. You know, in the early, in the, in the early times, in the, in the New Testament time, in, in, for the first Christians, um, they were believers in Jesus Christ. They were believers in the Messiah. And you remember the story, after they were persecuted in Jerusalem, they were spread out uh, through, through that part of the world. And a lot of them ended up in a town called Antioch. And a name was given to these people. You know what it was? Christians. Because they were just like Christ, Christ, Christians. There was like all these people running around saying, you know, they're Christians. They're just like Jesus. Wow, isn't that, isn't that a good sign to have? We are Christians. How many of you believe that? Like you're, you're believers in this morning. You're, you're Christians. And so there's something on the outside that has to show that. So it's only right, can I tell you this this morning, for people to expect those who follow Jesus Christ to bear some resemblance to him and obey his teaching. So if we are Christians, there has to be something about the way we look, the way we act, the way we interact, the way we have relationships, the way we live all our life, the way we do good all our lifetime, that will tell other people, hey, he she's different. There, there's something about him that's like Jesus Christ. There are, very many, there are many vital signs of true believers you know, but a good example, Jesus comes right out and says it. In John chapter 13, verse 35, he says, By this will all men know that you are my disciples. What? If you have love for one another. Love, compassion, tenderness, understanding, forgiveness. Because Jesus manifested those traits, so should we who claim to be his disciples. Do you believe that this morning? Like, love one another. Um, goes well with do good, love each other, and reveal Jesus. So there are some spiritual vital signs of a spiritual life. And, you know, when you're in the church and you've been here a, a little while and you've been in the community of believers, uh, and, and you can look around and you can sort of discern and say, you know, that person, that person, the, the, they're, they're believers. There's something about them. I, I can see it. Like they're either they've got their hands up, they're worshiping the Lord on a Sunday, uh, when the pastor speaks about a scripture verse, they, it's easy for them to find a, a scripture verse because you're know, starting to know the Bible a bit. How many of you, the first time you came to, to a service and the, and the pastor in front was, before we had PowerPoint and so forth, searching for scriptures, go to Romans, go to Mark, go to Ezekiel, you know, go to Ezekiel, go to Revelation. But you're starting to find where's the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, it's it's, it's hard, hard to find. So when people seem to have that symptom, we say, okay, yeah, uh, they're a believer. Or somebody who is, who is giving, they see the fruit of the Spirit. And, and so there's many other things that we in a Christian community and we as a church, we can look around and say, you know, um, yeah, that person has come to know Christ and, and he knows a bit about the Bible. I remember the first time I came to, into a, 
a Christian service in the Pentecostal church. It was in Edmonton, Alberta. And uh, I had never been in, uh, sorry, not Edmonton, in Lloydminster, um, Alberta. And when I came in there that night, people were playing the banjo, the guitar, and man, what is this place that I walked into? Because I was, I was raised in a Roman Catholic church, you know, it was quiet, you know, and, the, and uh, so it was real different for me. And so I saw there was something different there. So you, you can see those things. But let me ask you the question this morning is, how about outside the church? How about not in the building? There really should be signs out there in our everyday life that a person is a believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, I remember when I was district superintendent, a representative from World Vision, his name was William Metzger. He he later on became the general secretary of the Mennonite Church. Uh, But he came into my office to talk with me about the ministry of World Vision and how it helps across the world. And, and during our conversation, he asked me this question. He says, Gary, what does the public in general expect of the church and its members? When the people out there who don't know too much about the church, except there's a building on the corner of the street or somebody said he's a Christian, what are they expecting from someone like that? And it was interesting because he says, this is what they expect. They expect first two things. First of all, He expects that they're going to love one another, that there's going to be unity in the church. Somewhere, somehow, they they heard that verse that Jesus said, they'll know that my disciples because they have love one for the other. So he said to me, he says, when people on the outside look in and they, they see dissension and disunity and maybe church fighting between one and the other, it, it doesn't compute. It's a something is wrong there. It, it, it is not right completely. Interesting. I'm, I'm sure you might n- agree with me on that. But the second thing he said as well, he says, they also expect that the church will address the injustices of the world around them. If anybody's going to speak up for truth, if anybody's going to speak up for injustices, this, 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 it really should be those who say they are like Jesus. Amen? And, and as you know, uh, World Vision is, is very involved in, in world relief and help around the world. And so that's what they've come to know is that if you're going to be a Christian, then you need to do something about it. You need to be out there in the world showing Jesus' life in a very practical ways. So that really touched my heart. So David Jeremiah in his book says this thing. Uh, Our purpose is to examine five categories of divine life That should be evident in every Christian. These lifestyle traits are like signs that we hang over the door of our life that tell people what they should expect to find within. Just about like the one-hour dry cleaning, you know. Here are vital signs that are sort of like signs over our lives that are saying, yeah, that's what's within, okay? I I like that, the way it's written. And because these were all traits that Jesus manifested in his life, when people enter in a relationship with us, they gain some perspective on who Christ is. That's what we want, Nespa. We want that when people come into a relationship with people who say they know Jesus, that there's something about the life of Jesus that will somehow emanate or at least be touched through our life because that's what Jesus wants. Jesus wants us to do good. And not just us be goody-goodies, but he wants us to reveal him in our lives, right? 
So this morning I'm going to give you five vital signs. They're very easy to remember, and I hope they're keys that will help you to have vital signs so somebody can come along and say, yep, 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 that's, uh, that is a, a believer. So here's the first one. You ready? First vital sign of life. Number one, dusty shoes. You weren't expecting that one, eh? Dusty shoes. It means living a relevant, productive life. Because dusty shoes are a sign of someone who has left the safety of home, and he's out in the world, he's making a difference, just like Christ did. In the life of Christ, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we read these words about his life. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Jesus was a person with dusty shoes. Jesus did not live in an ivory tower or in an ornate sanctuary. He was out in the world on dusty roads of Israel. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus didn't wait for people to come to him. He put on his sandals and he went out on the dusty roads to take the message of the gospel to them. And so in the New Testament as well, in the lives of Christians, we see this in John chapter 17, verse 18. Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. It's really plain from this prayer that we see that Jesus prayed to the Father that we have been sent into the world to bear the same redemptive message that Christ brought from heaven. Jesus summarized under two headings what we are to be when we go into the world. He says we are, number one, we have been sent to be salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. And secondly, we have been sent to be light. He says, you are the light of the world. Uh, We are, um, you know, there's many factors to salt. In the old times, it was a preservative, but also in our times, we understand it gives saltiness. Ça donne du piquant dans la vie, if you want to, in French. And... So we need to be out in the world doing some type of work in our lives. It needs to affect people in some way. And we are reflectors of his light as he lives in us through the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in our hearts. The Bible says, it's light to shine before men that they may see your what? Your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So what's the first vital sign that we should be checked on is? Dusty shoes. Check your shoes, okay? Okay. Now, don't go out and dust them up when you leave this morning. Don't go out in the communal garden and he goes, I've got to dust my shoes off. You get some dust in them. It's not that. Or walk down the, the aisle up beside the church. It's just a fact. We need to, to go out. Second one. You ready for one? Second one is worn out knees. It's living a yielded, peaceful, and submissive life. Just as Christ was prayerful person, so should those who be his followers. We read of the life of Christ in the book of Mark where it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. It's important to remember that when Christ came to earth, he divested himself of his heavenly prerogatives. As a man, he had the same need to communicate with the Father as you and I do. He became subject to the will of his heavenly Father, and prayer was one of the ways he demonstrated this in submission to independence on God. Many times we, we can read this expression, it says, uh, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. 
And what did, what, when Jesus taught us how to pray, what was the fourth thing, the, one of the things he said, he said, may your will be done. May your will come down on the earth as it is in heaven. There's something about the posture of prayer. When you, when you kneel down and you get those, uh, you know, worn out knees, it, it, it takes away from that, I can handle everything myself, but it's, it's, you have to bow down and, and the head goes down. The arms goes up. And so if we're going to, that's a sign of life that has to be there in our life. Somehow that has to be out there that it's not us, that it's him. Somehow that has to come out of our lives and show people that are around us. The Gospels make frequent note of Jesus' prayer life. And in the lives of Christians we find, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, you may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. If the Son of God needed to pray, how much more do we? Jesus said that we ought to pray and not lose heart. He told us to ask, seek, and knock. And he warned that the spirit of man is willing, but the flesh of man is weak. So after the first service this morning, uh, uh, Jeff showed me that he had holes in his pants, you know. The only problem, he says, I bought them that way. You know, it was a new style. But I'm sure he's, he's a man of prayer as well. So it's the first one, is it? Worn out knees. You ready for the third one? Here we go. Number three, a vital sign of really being a true believer. You have rolled up sleeves. I should have wore a long sleeve shirt this morning. I wore a short one. Rolled up sleeves, living an authentic servant's life. There was no pretense about Jesus. He lived with his sleeves rolled up as a servant, doing the work of a kingdom. He didn't hang around and say, hey, I'm the boss here, you've got to believe me. No, he rolled up his sleeves. He did the work of the kingdom. In the life of Christ, we read in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28, these words. Jesus called them together and he said, you know that the rulers of Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be a first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus made it plain that he came not to lord it over people, but to be a servant. Really, the ultimate expression of his service, of course, was he gave his life to be a ransom for many. While we can't duplicate that act We can follow the second greatest example of service he left us, humbling himself to wash the feet of his disciples. When we perform similar acts of humility and service, we are showing signs of the life of Christ. So in the life of the believer, John 13 says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. The night he washed their feet, Jesus told his disciples that they ought to serve one another the way he was serving them. To claim to be a servant of God but be unwilling to serve others is to portray the shallowness of my understanding. Rolling up their sleeves, being humble, being willing to work, being doing whatever there is to do around us, and, and doing it in a good spirit. So we have, try it again, see if you remember it. What's the third one? Oh, okay, rolled up sleeves. There you go, rolled up sleeves. So here's the fourth one. Open hands. 
open hands, really living a generous life. You can't talk about Jesus without talking about giving. He who gave himself for the sins of the world. Galatians chapter 1 and Galatians chapter 2 says this, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God our Father. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul said, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for our sins. He loved us. You know, it's consistent with the paradoxes in Scripture that one of Christ's signs of life was his death. His death was a sign of life because he died willingly so that others might live, laying down his life for others. So that's why we read in Acts chapter 20 from the lives of Christians, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Very interesting. Those are the words of Paul in the book of Acts. He was reminding the people who said, he said, Jesus said these words. Now, if you look in the Gospels, you'll never find those words in in, in the book of Gospels. But but he has said it at some point, and Paul said, these are the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's contrary to the philosophy, philosophy of this world that places a higher premium on receiving than on giving. Only those who have developed a lifestyle of giving know just how blessed the results of giving can be. Open hands, giving. You know, there's something about when, you, when people meet you and, you know, and, and you're giving, there's a generosity about you. you you're there and, and people say, what do you want? Yeah, what do you want? Why, why are you being so nice to me, you know? I remember playing golf about a month ago with a gentleman. I was just trying to be nice. I said, I said, have a nice day. Do you do that sometimes? He turned to me and he said, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, he was fooling around, okay? <laughs> he was trying to be funny. He, he, he was. But giving is a good attitude, right? It, Something you give. I got home from a week camping this past week, and as I said, it's my birthday uh, tomorrow. You got, okay, it's finished. You guys did vital signs. You're good. <laughs> they didn't do that in the first service, but you guys are the real thing. <laughs> I don't know where I am now. You caught me so off guard. Oh, yeah, I was telling you about my son-in-law. I came back from camping this week and uh, pulled into the yard, and my son-in-law and my daughter, who are staying with us for the summer, uh, my son-in-law was out on his hands and knees. He had spent six hours cleaning, you know, all those, those uh, weeds that grow between the rocks and your patio? Things you don't want to do, right? He was out six hours in that heat pulling it out. And he said, well, that's your birthday present. Great, bring it on. I mean, 
You can imagine that. If you figured it out, six hours at how much an hour, you know, that's a good $120 birthday present that he gave me. But he just, he was out there one day, and, and he saw, hey, that doesn't look good. I'm just going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be generous. He didn't ask me to do it. I just, just did it. He, he, he was generous. Maybe there's things in life we need to do that nobody asks us to do it, and it will cost us something, but we'll be generous. You ready for the fifth one? And that's the last one this morning. The fifth one is this, outstretched arms. Living a compassionate, community-based life. Jesus was a person who felt the passion, the suffering of others, and he responded, and so we are to do the same. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. It says that Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. His compassion launched, them, launched him into action. He was moved with compassion at people's hunger. He was moved with compassion at their physical afflictions. He was moved with compassion by demonic, when he saw demonic powers were working in people's lives. He was moved with compassion to the woman who had lost her son. Indeed, the masses of spiritually lost people Jesus encountered provoked compassion within him. One of the reason, lessons about signs of life to draw from Jesus is that human suffering provokes compassion in those who are spiritually alive. Christ was moved with compassion for numerous reasons as he encountered the broken lives of everyday people in the world. In a day when it was common for the poor, needy, and suffering to be overlooked, Jesus stood out because of his compassion, a sure sign that he was a teacher who came from God, it says in John 3, 2. In the lives of Christians, in Matthew 25, it says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. It's so easy to become insulated in our own little world and provisions and fall, fail to see the people around us who are hurting, people whom Christ died for. God is pleased when we reach out to those around us, especially those who are nothing with which to repay us. Jesus gave to us, had compassion on us, when we had nothing and we were unable to help ourselves, and he calls us to do the same. So the musicians will come, and uh, we'll just go over those five steps again. Do you think you remember them? What's the first one? Can we stand together? In a few minutes, we're going to sing the song, What a Beautiful Name, and it's the name of Jesus. You know, it really is all about Jesus, isn't it? So what a beautiful name. He changed our life. His, his, he came into us. It's his name that changed us. How much more now that we are Christians, that we bear his name, that people who come around us w would have a sort of semblance about, you know, he really is different. She really is different. He is really a Christian. So here this, this morning, as we close this service, I just want us to ask God, and I'm going to pray for you in, in a few minutes. We need to ask God to show us areas where signs of life 
need to be revitalized. You know, sometimes when uh, you're a gardener or so forth, there's a plant dying, it's not shriveling, but so you revitalize it. How many of you know that this week, all that grass that's, that hasn't grown or all those flowers, after all this rains, it's going to start to get revitalized. And so I'm going to pray today that maybe some of these signs that I talked about, talked about um, going out in the world, be willing to step out. I'm not saying to get a soapbox and, and go on the corner. I'm just saying just be willing to go out. Saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm willing to go out and do things. Uh, or, Lord, what is it your will? I'm down on my knee. What, what's your will, not mine? What, how can I be a servant? What, what, what can I do? What can I do? And, and, and not do it because I'm going to get praise, but just doing it because you were a servant. And how can I be generous? Is it, what was this something about being generous? Is maybe I haven't been giving enough. And I'm not just saying giving to the church, but just giving in my spirit. And Lord, help me to be more compassionate. Help me to be touched by the needs of the world, the people I see around me. Lord, help me to be that way. Interesting line. I always find this very, uh, first time I saw it, it struck me. It says, you may be the only sign of Jesus' life some people will ever see. You might be the only sign of people, uh, of Jesus' life that people will ever see. Jesus Christ had a body when he was on earth, but when he departed, the term body of Christ was applied to his followers, individually and corporately. We are to demonstrate the same life in the body of Christ that Christ did through his own body while he was on earth. Do good all your lifetime. How do you do it? Well, you just live out your life. You just live out your life with Christ living in you because he is the one who makes it possible. Amen? Would you bow your heads? I'd like to pray with you. And just to let you know this morning, if you, if you would like prayer for one reason or another, we have a prayer team that's going to come to the front, and you can just come forward and we'll pray for you, whatever need you, you might have. And believe God is going to do miracles in your life. But right now I'm going to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to pray for every one of my brothers and sisters here, myself included, the pastoral team, the worship team, leadership team, Lord, every member at Evangel and visitors that might be here today. Our real desire, Lord, is to not to promote ourselves, but we want to reflect you. We want to do good. We want to love one another and thus reveal you to the world who has needs. I pray for my, my brothers and sisters, Lord, in the area where things need to be revitalized, where things need to grow, whether it's stepping out, whether it's serving, whether it's giving. Father, I pray you would do it in their lives by your power, Lord. Praise your name, praise your name, Lord. Let's just sing the, what a wonderful name Jesus is this morning.